...of the American people to be the sacrificial victims for the benefit of the rest. Indeed, they, blacks, were thrust beneath the threshold of social hierarchy and expected to stay there. How whites from all levels of society worked to keep us there through a combination of custom, law, myth, and racial insult is the subject of this book. Reflecting on this potent, destructive blend in 1903, Du Bois condemned whites' personal disrespect and mockery, the ridicule and systematic humiliation, the distortion of fact and wanton license of fancy, the cynical ignoring of the better and the boisterous welcoming of the worse, the all-pervading desire to inculcate disdain for everything black, from to saint to the devil. Nearly four decades after his color-line comment, Du Bois attributed the still-yawning divide between whites and blacks to that same white hostility, a virulent contempt that depended not simply on economic exploitation, but on a racial folklore grounded on centuries of instinct, habit, and thought, and implemented by the conditioned reflex of visible color. The N-word looks closely at that folklore, tracing its path as it sustained the entwined ideas of white supremacy and black inferiority, supplemented the nation's ever-growing popular culture, and influenced the scope and direction of its legal system. It explores in depth various categories of literature, science, music, theater, and film, the legislative policies, and judicial decisions designed to keep blacks in their place, and the language of racial insult that runs like an electric current through them all. A War of Words The decision to exclude blacks from the Declaration enabled race to emerge as a new principle or motive in the drama of American democracy, Ellison persuasively observed. Race, in his view, was to radiate a qualifying influence upon all of the nation's principles and become the source of a war of words that has continued to this day. The battle of wills, initially, between planters and their human property, has gradually and painfully evolved into an increasingly harmonious, albeit fitful, coexistence between white and black Americans. At no time has it been a one-sided conflict. The N-word also takes note of the acts of defiance that I, and many others, regard as a form of counter-narrative, challenging the majority culture's myth of conquest and superiority. That myth, in effect, attempts to erase the real history of blacks in America and replace it with a fictional tale of futility and mediocrity. Blacks who have actively campaigned against the majority narrative have been, as it were, writing themselves into existence. Although the fusillades traded over the years have diminished considerably, language continues to convey formidable and occasionally savage force. For much of the history of our fair republic, the N-word has been at the center of our most volatile exchanges. Because no discussion of American race relations and no consideration of white supremacy can be complete without it. Nigger appears early and often in these pages. If it is true, as Henry Demarest Lloyd has noted, 
that history is condensed in the catchwords of the people, then nigger properly belongs in the company of such all-American terms as liberty, freedom, justice, and equality. As Randall Kennedy and others have shown, the N-word is certain to provoke strong reactions whenever it is encountered. Its remarkable durability, coupled with Americans' historical willingness to find uses for this epithet in nearly every facet of their everyday lives, from the geographical to the philosophical to the culinary, may also illustrate the extent to which racial unease continues to permeate our culture. As part of my examination, I will heed Ellison's observation that black American consciousness does not reflect a will to historical forgetfulness, but derives instead from our memory, sustained and constantly reinforced by events, by our watchful waiting. If Ellison is right, how does our...